Today's episode of Our Human Experience, we got to sit down with Justin Arnold. Justin is a husband, a father. He is a fitness professional, the owner of Flex Mobility and Performance here in Rochester, New York. And he's also a new author. Uh, A lot of what we talk about today is surrounding his upcoming book and the events in his life and the things that drove him to write this book. So we really hope you enjoy it. Um, It was a good long chat with Justin. He's doing some really amazing things. So sit back and enjoy our human experience. All right, everyone, we are back with Our Human Experience, and today we have the pleasure of sitting down with our friend, Justin Arnold. Justin came into our lives probably about five or six years ago, somewhere around then. Uh, He's a personal trainer in the Rochester area. He was training some clients out of our gym. Um, He now owns his own facility, and he is also, among many other things, an author of an up-and-coming book. And we wanted to bring him on today to talk a little bit about his experiences, his outlooks, his book, why he wrote it, and then just kind of go from there and dive into some different areas of of his life and his experience and the things that he's learned along the way. So without further ado, Justin Arnold, give us a little bit of just a quick synopsis, who you are, why you're here, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so I'm Justin Arnold, uh, owner of Flex Mobility Performance, father of three, uh, married to the beautiful Alexis Arnold. Got to shout her out, you know. And uh, yeah, so we've been in Rochester since 2011. Been in a health and wellness game for a long time. And I, I, this, I'm here because, well, well, you guys are awesome. And I appreciate you guys allowing me to be on here. We've had, yeah, since about 2016 when I decided to start this whole thing called running a business. You guys open up your arms and your doors literally. Uh, which was cool, and I appreciate that. So, uh, and then this book was like a thing where it started with uh, I went on a mission trip in two thousand, yeah, last year, last January, and one of the guys I was with is like after he, he's one of the few people I've known since high school, and his name's Justin, ironically too, and long flight to the Dominican Republic, you have conversations, and we've talked about these things for years, and he finally said, "Man, you need to write a book." I said, there's no way my ADD self can sit still long enough to put together a book. Nobody wants to hear my shit. Like, no. I, just, I, shut, I shut it down. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way. So, and then here we are now, and we're, we just picked book covers, and we're about to be published. So, <laughs> there's been a long journey, and we're, al- we're almost done with it. But uh, it kind of, it basically, long story short, went from you should to I can't to I have to. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I would imagine that's probably it's probably a pretty similar story for a lot of people with taking on an endeavor like that. I mean, we've actually we've talked about it, you know, as far as Melissa writing something, myself writing something. We have not pulled the trigger, so kudos to you for doing it. <laughs> um, it is something that I think one there's so many things that creep in, and correct me if I'm wrong, and this is just my assumption from the outside. The the level of imposter syndrome that a lot of people feel within their career, their field at times, especially as business owners, like that just gets elevated even more yeah. because you make this assumption, I'm writing a book to then be distributed across the country, maybe to other country, all these sort of things. You're like, this is going to reach potentially millions of people. 
And who am I to share my story? There's got to be so many other stories that are so much more valuable and worth being written. And then you start to think about it and you're like, well, why isn't my story valuable? Isn't it, it, shouldn't it be, right? And there's just all these internal battles, I would imagine, that go on and getting you to the point where you're like, okay, let's put pen to paper or finger to keystroke and get started. Would that be? Yeah, like some of the things you said were exactly some of the things, imposter syndrome, you hear that a lot lately, and that was definitely something. uh, And it was also like, oh, somebody had to have told this story before, like... And maybe they did, but then I started doing the research, you know, men and, 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 and so for those that don't know, it's literally, it, there's a lot, the title is called Purpose Through Pain, but it, it stems around, uh, the abuse, uh, by a lot of people I trusted, a lot of men, sexual abuse, sexual trauma, use your imagination. Uh, I know other people have talked about it on podcasts, but like, when I started talking about it with my wife, with my friends, and people I entrusted, you know, therapists, call it what you will, like, you need to tell this story. This could help people. This could help a lot of people that have been through trauma, been through extreme pain, because there's there's everything from, yeah, the abuse from family, from people I trusted, to attempted murder, to, like, to give you a little background, after a year and a half from my own babysitter, he decided, well, let me just burn the house down while you're inside it. Yeah. And then, you know, so there, there's these stories and the more you talk about these things, you realize this could help one person. And then I just left it that screw all these noises in my head, these mm-hmm. self-limiting beliefs that I was having. And let me just, yeah. So, and then the thoughts were all over the place. Like, where do I start? Where do I go? So sure. getting a team, getting a publishing company, being guided getting a coach of sorts like we do, uh, is kind of where it went. And then I just started going and I realized these are my own thoughts you know these are my this is my own story uh and it goes along that like you know there's things that people don't know i think one of the things that was like the the, one of the motivating factors like fuck i gotta do this was like i said i was telling somebody about i had broken my neck so i've I've fractured my neck three times and like whoa i didn't know that about you i would assume you live this epitome of health and And i was like fuck i need to because everyone assumes he's like i came from like just this perfect little life or something. I don't know what people assume, but I was hearing this over and we over do, again. People tend to do that, right? I mean, yeah. I think anytime you position yourself as an authority in anything, and in this case, obviously, in the realm of health and fitness like you have, Melissa and I have taken a very similar path, a lot of people do look at that person, that role model, as, well, this is just them. Like, they were born being fit and healthy and active and free of disease and, yeah. they, and all these sort of things. So they're, now, genetics, they're able to, I mean. <laughs> now they're able to teach all this stuff to other people, but they don't know what it's like to be me going through this, that, yeah, and the other it's thing. Hard. It's, when you meet people, it's hard to remember that, like, that's their chapter 20. <laughs> you just walked into it. Yeah, yeah, you open the end of the book <laughs> right. to see how it ends, and you didn't actually read the first part, yeah. right? Like, and that's everything. I do it. Like, I don't, I don't want to, we, we try and make it a point on the show to not always point fingers, like, people do this, no. I do this. I look at people with certain degrees of success in areas that, you know, that I'm working toward and aspiring to. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? Like, must be nice. And then I have to check myself. I'm like, you don't even know that person. Mm -hmm. Or worse, you do know that person. And you know how hard they've worked to get there. And you know that the people who are seeing them right now, who are like, wow, look at this overnight success. You're like, no, I met him a decade ago. And there was no success to be had. He was doing this, that, and the other thing and working really, really hard. And in the last 10 years, he's made this monumental change in his life. And it's really difficult, I think, for human beings to 
we're not inclined to just naturally do that, to naturally dig into what is the bigger picture of anyone that we interact with because so many of our interactions are very superficial, right? We're, we're surrounded and very alone in this culture, right? And so we, we take that interaction with the person at the grocery store or yeah. the person, you know, the other parent at the school and you drop your kids off at surface level, who they are in that moment is who they always were and who they always will be. Yet we also fundamentally understand that that's not true, right? That we're case, constantly yeah. in a state of change and evolution. So it's this weird thing that we do to ourselves. We believe when I meet Justin today that this is how Justin has always existed. He's always been an author and a wonderful <laughs> father. <laughs> yeah. Like he's well, never these things just happened so, to him. It was like yeah, the deck of cards yeah. that he was given, well, right? I think there's a societal stigma too to like. If you've had trauma in your past, like you can't possibly be a functioning person now. You well, can't be where you're at. Well, because right? if you like, look at some of my other siblings and people we know, that, yeah. that that's a thing. And like that's why I was like, well, I've been able to come out of it. Like my brother didn't. You know, there's people that didn't. I had somebody yeah. reach out that's similar story, and they they're trying to help their brother out, and they're like, this book could help. And I'm like, cool. Like, and that's the thing. Like, if it helps, you know, like. You know, I, I, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm a Christian, so the Bible. Like, what if nobody did that? That's been such a guiding point to me. What if, like, somebody mm-hmm. didn't decide to write it? What if Jesus, like, you know, screw it, I'm just gonna be a carpenter. You know, like, you, you yeah. know, all these things. Yeah. Like, like, and I realize the more that I've been through, like pain it's only helped me for example like i can help a lot of people with shoulders because of all although i i destroyed my rotator cuff in high school wrestling destroyed all four and in the beginning phase i was told by this as you guys know you're in this yeah. industry but for people listening we're, we're told that you won't be able to do this you won't be able to do this oh good luck ever having 100 percent range of motion but now i have all those things so i'm able to also train people yeah. with <laughs> shoulder injuries yeah so then it was kind of like oh justin this is the same yeah, thing yeah, yeah. This because is like the you same have thing. this experience. Well, <laughs> even if you never published this book, like how cathartic was it for you just to be able to write this? So that's a great point. Like everybody has their forms of therapy, whether it's seeing a therapist. I think you need multiple resources. And sure. for me, it probably started of anger in the gym. Like that's where I found fitness. It was like my release, my playground. And then I realized more of a therapeutic version of health and fitness but then the book yeah i did this as a, i have to yeah it could help some people uh and then the oh my goodness the therapy of just and even being here today the more i talk about it the more comfortable it is like i already talked kind of briefly like what it's about i was interviewed uh earlier this year and they brought it up and i kind of scooted through it in all honesty because it's like i'm still kind of embarrassed by it and i'm like yeah. I, but the more that i'm open about it the more that i write about it knowing this is coming out is like yeah it was so therapeutic to get my thoughts on a paper so i tell people whether you're writing a book not everybody needs to write a book but talk to somebody write things out i know you guys journal i journal i think writing is just huge it's getting pen to paper so powerful yeah. I, like it is. I, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. I'm bad at English, too. So for those that are listening, <laughs> if I, I said this the other day. I was like, if I can write a book, anybody can do whatever they want. <laughs> like, <laughs> dream big, seriously. Right? <laughs> well, and especially if you're doing it specifically in a journaling fashion, you know, more for yourself. Like, who cares about grammar or context or your punctuation? Like, it doesn't matter. They got right? a publishing company for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, right? Just, I want to throw you a bunch of crazy shit. You make it look pretty. Some yeah. people will read it. Pretty much. Um, you know, and it's there's two things that just came popped into my head when you were talking that I wanna I wanna hear your thoughts on. So, one of them was as we talked about this being a cathartic release. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about, and it definitely is. And then you touched on Justin the 
your entrance into fitness and bringing a lot of anger and rage and intensity to that. Was there a moment where you noticed that fitness for you was almost another abuser? Yeah, like beating up the weights, throwing things down. I think it was like my, I used to call it my aggression release playground and I still kind of float there. But when I, and it's like, it's like I had to feel pain physically in my body. This is early on. Like, yeah. Like it's almost like I welcomed it maybe. Uh, it's a great question because I think, and, and, and that's where I see some people gravitate towards, but just like you guys, you guys know me well enough. Like it's now an holistic playground of sorts. Like I have monkey bars. Let's have some fun. My tagline yeah. is brutal fun, but I've kind of like gravitated. Just let's have fun. And, and, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it's like, it's, and I'm sure you guys heard this study just talking to you, you know, it's just like, you, you, you wonder why, oh, why does she always date bad boys or these guys that are abusive? There's like a trigger there in the brain. And you probably know about that. It's the same thing we gravitate towards. And one thing I learned during this journey of writing this book was like early on in life, like a lot of things that happen. So this is all like for people that are listening, this is all between the ages of five, six, seven, eight a little bit in a nine when I learned things that before age 10 really just become a part of you become a part of like your nervous system and stuff and yeah. like unless you're aware of that unless you're willing to forgive that and like do these things and find different ways it is so yeah it's like you're still searching out for it and you don't even know it if that yeah. yeah so like once I figured that out I was like I'm always hurting I'm always in pain like I think it was almost like you know no joke I think it was like when I was going through a lot of issues with transferring from where I was before meeting you guys there was a huge changing point in my life around 2015 and uh, like I already started growing out of this I, I forgave my abusers like vo vocally years prior but I don't think I fully did you know and, yeah and and it's it's funny how there was just this massive transfer in like career life and but it was always just moving towards a healthier better form of myself so, sure mm -hmm. yeah well and i think there's something like and and the reason i ask this question is because i very much relate to this and it's something that you know melissa and i've had a lot of conversations especially over the last couple of years that like my what we seek so let me back up a little bit a lot of a lot of the the research and the belief around establishing your own personal core beliefs about the world, about yourself, about the internal and external world happens between ages of zero and seven. So when we experience massive amounts of trauma or just chronic stress and trauma in mm -hmm. those times that that halt us from being able to develop the way that a human being normally would. Right, that stuff sits in us and lives oh, with yeah. us forever and it becomes very, very difficult to change. So when you see the girl seeking out the bad boy or the person just repeating these same mistakes over and over again, it's because we seek patterns of familiarity. Right? I think a lot of people there was always this tagline, I remember when we first opened the gym, it was like, you know, seek discomfort or like get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I'm like, now I've come to a point where I realize a lot of people that are struggling, it's not that they're comfortable because they're not they're unhappy they're sick they they're in pain physically emotionally whatever they're very uncomfortable what they are is in a familiar place they're in a place that they recognize mm -hmm. they're a place they feel they deserve i know for me in upon reflection 
things like the way that I nourished my body, right, when I was when I was a young man, the way that I trained physically, it was all punitive. It was how fucked up can I get? Can I get super so fucking no, drunk funny. that I'm out of control? Can I blast my body so hard? Can I get into street fights every weekend and see how much I can take? And even within those realms, like being beaten and bloodied to like to a pulp and still stepping into it. And I look back now, it was like because I had such a connection to pain and suffering, it was very, very comfortable or familiar for me that I sought it out. And it, it wasn't until I was like, there was just a moment, not not too long ago, like six years ago, well, I just right? You're saying that, right? Same like same thing, yeah. where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you can't live this way. And not only is it, and, and you know, luckily, luckily for myself, and I would assume that it was probably similar for you. At the time, it was more about, I can't live like this because it's important to my wife and my baby that's going to be born and all like it's important to my family that I don't but I still didn't give a fuck about for myself to do that it's funny you say all this because like as you're talking I don't know if I went in alleyways to get beat up but like <laughs> but mine was like suicide attempts drinking alcohol womanizing uh, I remember purposely getting fired from jobs yeah and enjoying it it was such a fucked up thing through my teens and 20s and things that people don't know like except for my wife of course and it was like this destructive path that but I always justified it and then I was like well I'm going to go down to healthy well I'm still better than my brother I'm still better sure. than my dad like yeah, in my head and I would and then through the through the then well I'm going to choose a healthier path but it was still a little bit of a destructive now I'm doing exercise though I'm not drinking yeah. but I'm exercising yeah. a lot but it's still like I'm not doing drugs. I'm not drinking. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like all these things. It's like, but there were still these things and you realize it and I'm still not where I need to be. And that was the other thing about the book. Like just to go backwards, it's like, oh, but I should write it when I'm 50. But like, you know what? I can always edit it. I can always go back and rewrite, you know, write it's like, or so write the next just get it out there. Not- yeah. Get it out there. But like, yeah. So it's like, I still, and I'm so I'm still a work in progress. And I think that's the thing, you know, 1% better every day. You know, it's what we call the way in the house, but back to the kids and wife, it's like, so I think we need to work on ourselves. And one thing also, we need to work on those that matter most in our lives. And we, of course, being our better selves, we need to be better, but we're never going to be our best selves. We can just continue each day. But it was literally, like you said, the kids, the wife, like, you know, it's not just about me. It's a, yeah, I want to be the best trainer, gym owner, whatever, but like, I want to be the best father. I want to be the best husband. Like, yeah. why am I not working on these things? I'm just kind of letting them happen and it's still a work in progress, but like, why am I not working on these things as much as I'm working on myself or programming or all these work-related things? And it's like, again, it's a balance and it's hard and it's never right every day. But just being aware, I think, you know, that it, yeah. that you have to. And, I th- yeah, so to get back at it, like, you, you guys know that. You guys are too. Like, like, my wife and kids matter before everything. And, like, you know, so... So yeah, I've I, I literally like after we're done here today, like I spend an hour outdoors every day, even if it's this rainstorm. We're gonna do it, like with my kids. It's, yeah. it's it, and I found my life and other aspects getting better. Sure. So to kind of not to go off a tent, but it's kind of like what no, you were talking be, about, like. Yeah. And it's a good tangent. I, yeah. and I I was just curious because I think that that's a very, again, sharing these experiences, sharing you know, your experiences, Melissa sharing hers, me sharing mine, they 
validate other people who are listening that aren't ready. They're not at a point to vocalize what they're thinking or feeling internally and talk to friends or family or significant others or anything about these things. So they're just sitting with it. And then it starts to feel like I'm the only person with this. Like I'm the weird outcast. And I'm, you know what I mean? But, but I know what that feels like. And I'm sure you do too. Like before you decide to start to open up about these things, like you can't help but feel like your experiences are completely unique, unrecognizable to everyone around you. And if everyone believes that, and no, no one, one says anything, yeah. then it ultimately, like, it almost becomes true for you. And I think that goes back to, as you've mentioned, writing the book, doing interviews, speaking more openly with friends, with family, with trusted confidants, all these things has actually made you feel better and better and better about not only the work you're doing, but just where you're at as a human being at this point. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because just the other day I was thinking like, you know, like AA meetings, I train several people that are in AA and I'm like, you know, there's no real men's support group. And like we, for those that don't know, it's like one in six men deal with this and that's just the ones that admit to it. You know, sure. like one mm-hmm. in six men deal with child sexual abuse and, and, and like, for, what about the ones that don't? But like most of us, like we keep it in the dark thinking if we admit it, we're, pussies or whatever yeah. and it's like i think it's yeah it's been therapeutic to write about it and it's just a part of our story yeah mm-hmm. and it, it that's why the title it's is not you pain is that it doesn't that's define why who you I are forgive them and, and you know maybe they don't know what they do but i can't but i can control my emotions around it you know yeah. mm-hmm. and like not let it feel like at first it was like i don't want them to control my emotions but it's just you know it's been super therapeutic to open it up and to write about it and like literally it's funny like i hadn't you know this is about the second maybe third open area where I've talked about it and I just said somebody hey I heard uh, she's from Kenya she lives in Texas long story short she's like my brothers could really benefit from this they've dealt with something similar and I'm like it's holy crap like the more we open up about it like I've thought about yeah maybe we get a men's group together or something that have dealt with this and get the stigma away from it being like some sort of fucking weakness like being abused is somehow a, a fucking like makes character you fault or yeah something. like yeah. it's not your fucking fault yeah like well, I, yeah and put it on paper like it's again it's this it's this thing that our minds do right where mm-hmm. well, this is i feel like this is a character fault and you're like okay let's take you out of the equation this five-year-old over there just had this experience someone physically or sexually abused them or whatever the thing was is that because they are fundamentally a bad five-year-old? Of course not. No one would be like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, right. We understand that. And like, so why would that experience having happened to you make you a fundamentally bad mm-hmm. person? Right? It, it, on, but we're also not logical creatures all the time. Right? We're very emotional. We create stories of our past, present, and future in our own mind, and those get all muddled together, and then we start to create other people's stories on their behalf without actually having a conversation with them, so I'm going to assume that everyone's going to think I'm a fucking, that I'm pussy, I'm a pussy, or I'm weak, <laughs> or I'm going to assume that everyone thinks this. I We talked about this before, that like I always had this assumption that everyone just thought I was a fucking huge asshole, so be the asshole. Like, Isn't that funny how we fit into what people believe about us? It well, just it wasn't even what they believed. It was just yeah. what I thought they believed, mm. or what I wanted them to believe, or whatever. Like yeah. whatever you want to create this like mm-hmm. this circular narrative about yourself and other people around you. And there's an element of that that can sound like 
I guess, kind of daunting, but there's also, there should be, I think there should be an element of that that's empowering. Well, if I can make up bullshit that's negative about myself and how the world views me, I could also influence it in a positive way. And then it becomes a choice. And it goes back to, you know, Melissa, you and I have talked about this before, this concept of like, you know, put your hands on the steering wheel because either way, the vehicle's going down the highway of life. Right, you can either control it and not smash into all the guardrails and other cars on the road, mm-hmm. or you can take your hands off the wheel and be the victim and be just you're just you're there. You're in control of where whatever it's gonna send you. You're it's, gonna smash into guardrails. So you're gonna spin out though, too, because we're always so go 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 and this is this. So we don't have time to even think about the alternative, like like the, the the opposite side of what you just said. Correct. So like back to the writing, like. It forced me to be, like, I know the word stillness. We've heard stillness in our circles. We know what stillness is. I thought I was practicing it, but it forced me, which forced it into what you're talking about to dig better, even in other areas of my life, to focus on. So I'm a work in progress, but it's, it's it, instead of, oh, if this is how I initially look at it, what if I look at it this way? It's like, you know, it's like, you probably heard this example, but like when somebody cuts you off in a car wreck and the initial response is let's scream and yell and curse and flick them off like we all do. But what if we were like, oh, what kind of day are they having? You know, yeah. it's like, it's they like must that. be in a hurry. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they're late but to we're work. But so, we're such in a hurry and they're such in a hurry that all we have time to be pissed off because they ruined our day, which really wasn't the day. It was just like a half second moment. Right? <laughs> yeah. But we don't break it down because we don't have time to be still and think about it and we didn't meditate or we didn't do any of the things. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's, it's creating space and again i feel like we come back to a lot of the same topics on these but i think i hope that's the case i hope people listen and they're like oh again they're talking about awareness and creating space and intention Mm -hmm. well it's good you brought that up because i need reminders so i hopefully you do too i got if you go out to my truck right here i literally have three i look like a weirdo but in the in the indoor of my truck i have three things taped to remind me like hey before you get out of the truck do this like so i'm more like focus on your wife like it doesn't say that but essentially it's like do this breathing. I do this thing I, before I get in my truck. I breathe in. I just say, I'm a child of God. I have everything I need. But there's times where I don't do that. And I rush in the house and it's not yeah. the environment that I want. And it's partially my fault, but I'm blaming them or the kids or whatever. And who's not guilty of that? Like, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whenever I do do that, even I miss the thing right in front of my face, when I do do that, it's a much better environment. So I think it's okay to keep repeating because I got yeah. the shit literally taped to my truck to freaking remind me. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's necessary that we yeah. repeat it. That we repeat it. I don't feel bad at all that yeah. we talk about a lot of the similar themes because, you know, you've said it several times already today where you start to make an intentional change or effort in one area, and then you notice that it starts to spill over into you know the, I've, I've made this specific intentional change around my professional life. And then it started to spill into my personal life and into my role as a father and my role as a husband. And like, wow, now I'm noticing that I'm just doing, I'm acting in a more uh, loving, compassionate, understanding way with everyone around me. And I'm engaging in the world in a different way because I started here with this one thing and I let it kind of spill into these other areas of my life. And I think that's really it's valuable to recognize that a lot of the solutions that we that we can find for our suffering, for our pain, for whatever it is that we're trying to work through, they a lot of times they boil down to, to like the same fundamental practices. Mm-hmm. They're they're not 
they're different in like the tiny minute details of how you do it, right? It works for you to have things taped up on your window. You know, we have a whiteboard in our bedroom that's up with things. Like there's different tactics to it. But ultimately it comes back to creating enough space in your day so that you can have space in your mind. So you're not jumping from one task and one environment and one interaction to the next repeatedly all day long until you go to bed. Because then you have no time to say like, what even happened? <laughs> like, I, I mean, how many people go through their day and are like, I, we're definitely guilty of this, like, where you go through a day, you're like, I don't even know what happened today. Like, I have no idea what went on for the last, you know, 15 hours or whatever. Yeah, that's why I like journaling, just so I <laughs> you can know? recollect mm-hmm. on it and, and photos. And <laughs> yeah, you, go, you come back to these practices so that you can bring some awareness to it. And then when you bring awareness, you're like, wow, I've noticed that when I don't stop and take a few breaths and say my, you know, mantras, I don't know how you, how you refer to them, but I say, say these mantras to myself before I walk into a home, um, or into, you know, another interaction or into work or whatever. When I don't do that, the interactions aren't as good. I should make sure I do that more. Right. I think there's a lot of expectation for like perfection when people start to come across things like meditation, mindfulness, journaling, whatever the case may be. And it's like, just do it, find what works and be, be disciplined, but gentle with yourself. Understand that you're going to miss some days. You're going to be in a rush still. Sometimes you're going to, you're going to hit traffic. You're not going to have time to sit and take a few deep breaths and say this thing because you're already late getting to the place that you're going to go, or you'll just forget or whatever. Mm -hmm. That happens to everyone. We all do it. And just recognize when you do it and when you don't do it, and how that changes your day. Feel, yeah. So I think that that's the key point. Like what, like journaling, like I've changed my morning. I, I'm very disciplined. I have a morning routine. I do journaling, but I've changed the way, the order, the what, and every which way just for that very reason. Like, you know, just find something that works. Like somebody's like, oh man, I need to get a morning routine. And my first question was like, why? Well, you do it. Like, yeah. And I have reasons why I do it. What's your morning routine? <laughs> Tell me. Like, why do you want my morning routine? <laughs> yeah. Like, you I want like, my underwear to put on too? Like, what is what, you want my Do your own thing. <laughs> no, yeah, I think because, like, for me, it's like I always have to, and that's growing up as that bratty kid or whatever you want to call it. I always, uh, I always want to know why, and I sure. always got told do it because I said so, and so like that's just turned into the way I teach, the way I manage, the way I work with my kids. I always explain the why, and what I learned even when I was like early on in college managing restaurants. So I spent from sixteen to like twenty six in restaurant world, and one thing I learned, and 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 I was able to get employees even older than me. It was just explaining the why, like hey, you know, put a wet floor sign down. So you don't slip. Like, that's a basic example. Sure. But it's just like, it's, instead of just saying, put the foot wet. Go do this. Yeah. I said mm-hmm. so. You know, there's a huge difference in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, it, 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 and, like, a lot of these things. So to give people some background, too, that I talk about in my book, a lot of these things of, like, because I got some pushback from somebody a month ago about, like, yeah, some of us just don't have the luxury to hang out with our kids all the time. I'm like, whoa, that was a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and and so to give some people background, it's because I have the blessing of I grew up in a household where my parents were master degree educators, way far in debt, and working six jobs between the three of them. I never saw them. Yeah. This whole health thing, it was only because I got bored of pulling food out of the damn freezer and microwaving, and I just wanted to learn how to cook and eat some real shit. Like, this isn't like some, it was just frustration with my current situation and trying avenues from the abuse, the neglect, call it whatever you will. Like, 
you know, that's my life, but I'm also grateful. I'm grateful because I had clients when I first started training, they were older and like all their stories were like, man, hang out with your kids. Like I didn't. I was like, you always make more money. You know, these stories of like, you can always work more. You can always make more income, but your kids will be eight once. They'll be nine once. And I'm like, damn. So again, it still took me a while, like early on in my marriage, early on in my first child, like I fucked some things up. Like I messed them things up and I'm, it's just, it's what we're talking about. You gotta just be gentle with yourself. I think you said something along that and just recognize it, journal about it probably, or write something down to remind you, Hey, let's not repeat that again, or let's improve about it. Or let's know that, Hey, I was better because of this. I was worse yeah. because of this. Yeah. And recognizing that you, you mentioned before, recognizing the tools that work for you, right? You know, one of the things that we make sure to do when we're talking on, on the podcast as well is to try and be like vulnerable in the moment and share some of these open things, which obviously this entire conversation is that, um, we like last night, Melissa and I went out, uh, with some friends on a date night and I got like really pissy about some stuff as soon as we got in the car and it was totally unwarranted. There was no real reason behind it. Right. And, uh, we like didn't really talk at all on the way home. Um, and we kind of got to the house and thanked my sister for watching the girls and went to bed. And then we had a conversation today and it was a really, like it was a real and raw and uh, like open conversation about like, what the fuck was that about last night? And we had, and I've come to realize that things like journaling and meditation are great for me. I also need a significant amount of time during my week alone with Melissa. I agree. Yeah. And not like, it doesn't have to be a, a ton, but to have those sort of conversations are really helpful for me. I w and I went from being in, in like, honestly, not a great place this morning. I was like, fuck, we, I can't believe I'm feeling like this. And we have the podcast. I'm like, I'm not. I don't want to talk to Justin. It, it wasn't even that. <laughs> it wasn't even that, man. It was, it was more like, I don't feel like I can show up the way that I want to well, thank for you. this right now. Thank you. And then we had this conver we had this conversation and throughout it, it was, you know, it wasn't a super pleasant one at first, it, but it was real and it wasn't attacking uh, it by anyone. And then throughout that, I'm like, fuck, I feel so much better. Like we're doing it and like, and it just makes me think of finding those things that work for you. And we were talking the other day about, um, I had you send me that little thing. I just, mm -hmm. I'll say things and I'll type them in my phone. I'll, like I have a list of all these thoughts and, uh, I said something to Melissa when we were driving the other day, I was like, write this down and text it to me. I said, the choices that we, the choices that make our lives better don't necessarily make them easier. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that, that we're, we're searching for something like, I want this to just like click the button and, and that happen fast, for me. Yeah. I want the pill. I want this quick mm -hmm. fix. I want it easy. I want weight loss without working out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, I want this thing. I want to win the lottery. And like, but then we also fundamentally understand that that actually didn't make us better internally or externally. It didn't make us better human beings, better parents, better it, nothing because there was no learning that went along with it. And so when we look at things, when people say, I want to get healthy or I want to, I want to heal from my past experiences or I want to improve my financial situation. It's like, well, those are all ideas that will make your life better than it is right now, but not necessarily easier. And it doesn't mean it's not valuable. 
you absolutely should do it. And I, we've gotten to a point, I feel like, in our culture where we've shifted so far toward finding, finding ease and seeking ease for everything we do. I want my weight loss to happen in 21 days, Justin. I haven't fucking exercised in three decades. You need to make this happen in less than a month because i got to put a bikini on when I go on vacation. Yeah. And then you're like, I can't really do that for you, but we can get started. <laughs> like, and then, you know, like, what is that kind of, What is the expectation for that person? So this idea of finding things that are tools, because there's a number of different tools out there, and then adapting them to work for you, and recognizing that because you have the tool does not mean it's going to be easy. Because journaling works for you does not mean that every time you sit down and journal, you're going to be like, this is so joyful and, and pleasant and simple for me. I, I think that's, yeah, so, man, so many things that rumble through my mind during that. But, like, yeah, like, the, with the relationship thing, like, it takes work. Like I said it earlier, like, they, they just don't happen. It, 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 like, think about what you're working so hard on that's going really, really well. And then look at the other aspects that aren't. So, and that's important to you. So if your wife's important to you, if your husband's, it's a gut check moment and you're not doing any investment in timing and just coming home and expecting them to love you because you work so hard at work. Yeah. Cause you showed up. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm here. Love me. Same thing with kids. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with kids. So back to my father, I, I know they did the best job and I'm not trying to hear I, lo- I love my parents. I'm not here to bad mouth them, but it is what it is. It's the reality of the situation. Sure. And, and, and they've and we've had these conversations. And so like, so my growing up was they worked really hard. And then on the weekends, they wanted their alone time, which my dad was like carpentry, woodwork, doing stuff around the house. So we never even like hung out on the weekends. I never saw my parents. The moments I did, it was when he was angry and wanted to beat me. So those are my experiences. Yeah. So so you got to you gotta work these things together. But also like what you're talking about, like with, with they want the easier out. And I think some of it's because we deal with whether that trauma and pain from young or we have all this other stress or we want something easy. Sure. We, and, and that could be part of it. So yeah, it's don't like, get me wrong. Yeah. I would love easy sometimes. We all would. But <laughs> right, I, think, right. I, mean, I think there's a, a progressive, like sometimes I journal, like I think when anybody starts journaling, like, there's that level of, ah, look at what I'm doing. I'm improving. But it, it doesn't always stay there. It's not. Yeah. And then you just got to find the therapy in it. But I will say, like, I'm, I know you guys do this. Uh, I think because you, you posted about it, like, just gratefulness. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I write down five things. Some people write things, three. Maybe you just write down one, whatever, however yeah. it looks like. I write down five. I don't know where I came up with five. It just one day I used to write three, and now I write five. I had so much to be grateful for. Like, th- that was my thing. Come on, Justin. <laughs> I want to know exactly how you got to that number. Where's the science? Should I do five or four? Should I do four on Tuesdays and five on Wednesday? And, and again, that goes to, like, the specificity that people want and it's like one that to me screams a lack of empowerment right if you want the fucking recipe for your life from me like where what are we doing that does that make any sense how the fuck can i possibly tell melissa everything that's going to be the best thing for her like detail wise to do in her life to make herself feel good and happy and healthy I can't know all these things. I can offer some advice, some guidelines, some things that I've tried that have been interesting and support to hear her tell me how it's been. I mean, I tried to get you to meditate and journal for how long? Like years. Years. Right? Yeah. Well, and I had to get past my own expectations of what that should look like and wanting it to be easy right away. And I think that's the thing is like people don't understand that sometimes it's going to feel forced. Sometimes it's going to be like, 
well, I'm going to just write down my husband, my kids, my dog, my cup of coffee, because that's literally all Sometimes I can I'm think just Wait, check but what order? No. Right? Yeah. yeah. Small to large. You know? And then three months in, you're going to start to recognize like, oh, the sun came up early today and I was awake for it. Or, oh, my kids are playing. Or, oh, you know. Or you find like, a different, you find a different way to accomplish the same goal. So like for me, sometimes I will write about something that I'm grateful for. What I find to be more valuable, and I and I think I should back up. There's a the idea of you have to know the rules before you break the rules. I think is important. Mm -hmm. So when you look at something like a gratitude practice, fucking do it for thirty days, okay? Before you're like, well, for me it doesn't really work. You did it for two days. Like you don't know if it works or not. Give yourself a month and write three to five things down, whatever the number is that makes sense to you write it down every day, then start to play with it. I've done that, and I found that to be really valuable. I found that by doing that, I notice things more frequently throughout my day that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then yes. that's evolved to, as I notice them, I'm, speak about them. I speak or... about them in that moment. Yep. Because I find that I often would, if something, you know, I have a really great, first half of my day and then a very challenging second half, that challenging second half oftentimes would overshadow or make me forget some of the things that I was grateful for in the morning. So especially if it's another person or something that I saw like that made me think of someone, I call them or text them in that moment. Hey man, just want to say, I'm like, I'm really thankful to have that, you in my life. Yeah. And I know this is a podcast, but I got a question. Do you, have you found, because I have found this to gravitate in your parenting style, like because like with me for example by doing that and noticing in the world like you said and like even saying the moment, like man i'm really grateful that you talked to me this morning melissa so we could do this podcast like i notice even my kids like when they're dealing with school or sports or something like my daughter had an issue with lacrosse a couple of weeks ago and it's like finding the gratefulness in this situation yeah mm -hmm. you ever find yourself because like that's something i'm like i don't think if i would have done this silly thing called journaling that yeah. is a sissy teenage girl thing like i'm trying to wrap what something because yeah. it's what i thought i'm talking about sure. like, with things that i thought about sure it. and uh and like i wouldn't have found more gratefulness and i wouldn't have found it gravitated into the way that i even parent and evolving my kids mindset around that and, and and for those men that are listening i think this is important because i talk about this in the book i think when we talk about emotions when we talk about feelings when we talk about these things that we're doing some of this could be looked as because uh, it's things that i said so i'm talking from a place that I, I like to share my emotion well that's wimpy i think there's real manhood and real masculinity in a lot of the things that you are doing a real man shows up and listens to his wife like a real yeah. man spends that time with you. You're a man that spend time with Melissa and listen to her instead of just assuming I'm the man. Do what I say. Not to say that happens, but yeah. that's what I grew up in. Sure. That was my assumption. I know this is the world that we're kind of told, and you blame media, you blame whatever else. But we like crying, for example. Suck it up. Don't yeah. cry. I've been told that. Mm -hmm. Have you been told that? Oh, like sure. these are the shit. Like I think these are things that. I mean, like, that's an interesting one because yeah. I can't even remember a time that I was told that uh, in all honesty okay I'm sure I was but it Not was in a good way. but it was ingrained yeah. in such a deep way that so without someone point, yeah. verbalizing it to me it was just a known thing like it's just known that you mm -hmm. don't do that right and that's some of the stuff that gets really tricky and does mm -hmm. do these things inform our parenting 
a fucking thousand percent. Yeah. And to the guy that reached out and was critical of you about, like, well, not everyone has all this time to spend with their kids. You're right. Not everyone has exactly the same resources or same lifestyle that I have. Mm. They don't all have the same schedules, et cetera, et cetera. However, don't you fucking dare throw that back at me. Because the way you talk about growing up as far as like the amount of contact and, and relationship with your parents, very similar to me. I don't know my family. Like I know my sister now very well because for the last few years we've taken the time to get to know each other. Outside of that, I don't. That fact made it very important to me that when and if we had children, that we were around a lot. Similar. Right? Like My middle brother and I have, like, it's so, just been over the last few years. You know, yeah. so to the person that was critical of the amount of time you're able to spend with your kid, like, well, what was your experience, man? Maybe you had a moderate amount of engagement with your family, and so you didn't, as an adult, you didn't set out to prioritize a lifestyle, a career, whatever, that would allow you to have to maximize your time with your kids, and then let's let's play into that even more. Like that's basically what else like, can why you? Is that? Was kind what of else <laughs> can you do? Right? Because the same person's like, well, must be fucking nice. Like, what do you do at night when you get home? Do you sit and read with your kids? Do you play with them? Do you go outside and crawl around like a bear, or do, do you color something? Like, or do you sit back and fucking watch TV and drink a beer? And, that's it. and, that's and there's a lot of people that fall into the ladder and then say, I don't have time to like spend time with my kids. It's like, you've cultivated what you have, mm-hmm. right? And there's benefits to the life that you and I live and that Melissa lives. And there's struggles and challenges with that as well, right? It's no one, no one has a life free of challenge mm-hmm. and free of obstacles to overcome. But we do absolutely get to choose which ones we want to engage with. And that's where I think a lot of people, when I come back to the empowerment thing, I think what your book will do for a lot of people is start to give them that empowerment, right? Like we need people to stop looking for recipes for their life, right? Instead, how about just ingredients and then you become the fucking chef? Funny, yeah, that's the thing. This is what worked for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's all these ingredients. Here's some fucking peppers and onions and this and that and some paprika and stuff. Like make make whatever dish you want with your life, right? These are things I that I like. That, but that's yours. There's there's an element of that. Like people need to be empowered, and through that empowerment, they can start to recognize that there is choice. You know, we had a conversation with Melissa's sister a few weeks ago about just um, you know 2020 in general and how that impacted people and this that, and the other thing. And and Melissa brought up how grateful she was for 2020 and for the things that while yes it was incredibly challenging and we're still managing challenges as a result of that year but ultimately that she's like deeply deeply grateful like one of the she you literally said like this was one of the best years that i've for had for us as a family for us, for us, us as a as I a agree. Couple, like for myself as an individual, I agree one hundred percent. You know, and but she I did. took, but I actively took the we actively yeah. took the time being conscious and actively, to do that. Yeah, yeah. working yeah. at it, working you, at being a better wife. And yeah. she said to her, you know, your sister said something to the effect of, "Well, you know, not everyone had that same thing as that you're critic. Like, not everyone has that luxury to be able to do that." And like, I understand that I still have my home. I was able to maintain our business, like. And that was her argument with us, some people. Well, but it, I said, you know, things you're already doing. You know, if you're yeah. already going to sleep, 
try to do that a little bit and, and, better. And, 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 yeah. the, and in defense of you guys, I think it's okay. It, I, I don't know how you guys are. I like it's like I almost felt guilty telling people how good my life yes. over the last year and a half. But like it doesn't mean we're not because I know you guys. It's not like we aren't sympathetic and empathetic of these no. people's life. Like if it, it, I don't know, it's like hey, it also doesn't mean that your life is. All fucking cherries. Like, no, it's not rainbows and unicorns. Is actually using my butt. And and that's like, and that's the thing. But to say universally that not everyone had that opportunity, like you're fucking dead wrong. You are robbing those people of their power. You're robbing them of their choice. When you sit there and you say, "Sorry, Susie, you're right. This is a shit year for you. You, too fucking bad." Like now they're like, they're right. It was a bad year for me. I have no control over this, right? Are there certain limitations to what you're able to influence in your life? Absolutely. Just like there are for us. Just like there are for you, right? There are some things that some people did over the course of 2020 that we did not. We weren't able to do. There's a lot of young single people that were like, I'm fucking traveling all over the world because airfare is cheap as shit. Like as soon as it started to reopen, you know, we, we couldn't do that. Good for them. Like... I'm glad you brought that example. It's, it's yeah. different for it's different for different people, but to sit there and say, "Well, this person was, you know, in a tough spot financially, and they have all these kids, they couldn't do anything better." Like, they could, they could have hugged their kid for fucking five seconds longer every night before they went to bed. So this is right. A, they could have done yeah. something, something little, to move I mean, nature's the needle. Free. Meditations for you know right. Everything yeah. you're talking about, like it's all like, like I literally have a tattoo on my arm that says "Let go, let God." But for me, that just means like you just said it. We can control our emotions, we can control our actions, but there is so much out of our control. But you can hug your child. Like early on in our marriage, uh, my wife was on TV and it was a struggle because you just assume people on TV make a lot of money. They don't. For those that are listening, they, don't. Uh, they really a small don't. Even here in thir- even here in Rochester, New York. They do all right, but it's not what you think. And we were literally on food stamps. I was literally, I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee used old, but it, I was paying for it. I remember driving around a different parking lot. It's parking because I was getting repo calls. They were looking for my vehicle to tow. We were so bad. And I remember those moments. I remember walking into a Hy-Vee. This was in Iowa when we lived there. And I'll never forget this because uh, I, I was excited. I had my food stamps in my hand, but it was embarrassing. It was fucking embarrassing. Yeah. And, and I was just thinking about, like, I want to feed my child. And I was tired of buying the typical food stamp food. And this is where I'm a little bit more empathetic. I hear, you know, uh, uh, anybody that are struggling. Like, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give them a nice dinner. So I use it to buy, like, steak. I'd always bought, like, ramen noodles and all the other stuff and all the cheap foods and processed stuff, even though I knew it wasn't healthy because I was working at a Y at the time. And this gets me kind of emotional. But I'm walking through the high vee and... With my food stamps, and I bought like steak. I bought nice stuff. Like we're gonna yeah. have a nice meal tonight. I could th- I don't remember the occasion. Maybe it was no reason other than I just wanted to be treat my family. And I remember I was. I'm just. I've always been a chatter. I chat with the people, get to know them. Hey, Susie, read the name tag. That's just always in me. I think I got that. The one thing I saw my dad do that I remember it was always a cool thing was that. And and then. And then I get there and I check out. We're talking about what's this for. Da da da. It was really just great energy. I hand her my food stamp card. Energy change. She shuts off. Doesn't say another word to me. Looks down, and I could just feel the judgment. Yeah, you know. And so, like, I've been there, and so, like, and I still found joy. I had my struggles. I've come a long way. I wasn't, you know, the, again, I wasn't the best husband, the best father, but I still could find joy. So I know that even with everything going on last year, and I think that's what you're talking about. So you're struggling. 
Well, don't bring that into that house because that brings trauma in the child again. I, I, ha I hate to say it, but I'm blessed with the crappy trauma that I had because I've learned that... You're tuned into it, man. You, you understand. So I'm here to give those tips to people. Like, take that as like your paprika moment or whatever. Like, you know, these things have just helped and cultivate the, these things in my life. So it's like, it's like, for example, it was our 10-year anniversary last year. Oh, we, we had this big idea, big plan. It was July 17th. I could have gotten pissed that we couldn't do it. My wife could have gotten pissed. Instead, we went, uh, I got her, she always wanted a new ring because we were poor, so I got her this, so I decided to get her a new ring. I found what I could. I, I had saved up. I knew this was coming 10 years down the road, so I, I got her this really nice rock, and we went to the Thousand Islands with the kids because nobody's babysitting, and yeah. we realized we are going to have to celebrate our 10th anniversary in a hotel room because COVID, like we're not going anywhere. And I got uh, styrofoam desserts from Wegmans. So I go, we go on the patio for like the two seconds. The kids are watching the TV and you guys know this and then half a second of silence because eventually somebody <laughs> came running out, literally. Nothing perfect about it, but in our mind, it was one of the best moments because I got them an eat proposal and we ate styrofoam dessert. Like, But I could have thought, it's also your mindset around it, I think. Sure. You, you know, it's like we found joy in just being together. So I think it's like, you know, I think that's the key. Like, you know you have your wife and kids and, and these things around you, if those are so important, those are actually bringing joy to your life. So here's another paprika. Like, you know, I found that spending more time and I spent more time with my kids last year because it was kind of like, fuck it. I can't control anything out of my income. I kind of like literally got, I cried. I cried yeah. like that whole like, uh, you know? So, and then I'm like, you know, it was my daughter nugging on my shoulder be like, daddy, let's take for a walk, take for a walk. And I was like, at first, no, I got to figure out this, but I'm like, I have no control. Probably about half an hour of her just tugging on me we went for a walk and then yeah ever since march 16th we you know we were always getting outside but i don't think it was just like scheduled always around two to four o'clock for an hour outdoor activity no matter the elements because when it was rain we would come in but the last year sure. we went out and everything and i tell this story because it's like the crazy thing that happened because this is on accident the paprika moment was we do that every day i schedule my life around those things and it's amazing how abundant everything else became mm -hmm. it like even surprised yeah. me like I knew these things and I talk about these things but it's like I intentionally for an hour outdoors usually in hiking or something will hang out with them how fucking everything just yeah. started to get better not that my life was always good but I'm always like one percent better one percent better so yeah. well it might have even it was just, just shed some light into into how good so that's life was and I told this story to the guy that like challenged me I was like hey guess what when I stepped away from and doing less and doing more with the things that matter most to me, more things came my way. So if you're looking for these more things, maybe it is taking care of that time. Mm -hmm. Like be again, be intentional. It sounds crazy, it. but <laughs> but yeah. it's something. Think about what you did. You you gave yourself physical and mental space, mm -hmm. right? During which you were outside in nature, which is is therapeutic in and of itself regardless of the elements regardless of whether it's beautiful out or freezing out or raining or whatever and you did it in the company of people that you love deeply like those those things are tremendously powerful and i think mm -hmm. that's where most people are are suffering is because we've lost again going back to this idea of uh of being surrounded but alone we've lost a lot of deep connection with one another yeah. and in the way, you know, you could point to a number of different factors. There's no one causal thing, but when you look at things like, you know, families have a much 
lower tendency to all reside in the same geographic area now as opposed to 20 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Where you know kids get a job and they move off and they go here and they go there. And so now you, you have that one layer that's usually for a lot of people, like that's their immediate deep connection is gone for many people. Mm -hmm. And then you have fewer and fewer places where people are making meaningful connections with friends and coworkers and those sort of things. You add in elements like social media and stuff that, that can manipulate our willingness to be open with other people. And then you toss a little COVID on top. And yeah. it just like people are so separated from people that care about them. And so even when they're together, it's this very surface. I mean, Melissa, you, you know, we've talked about this before where I've become almost almost intolerant of being in social situations where people are just unwilling to have like a real conversation. So I like how you <laughs> broke down the science here because I knew all this science, but I, it, it wasn't, that wasn't my reasoning. Like, and you know, yeah, Oh no, I know was. you know that. I know you yeah. know that, but i like that you broke down the science because I want people to be aware. It wasn't, Oh, the science tells says me. Says I should go for a walk with my kids. It was, it was, is my fucking four year old. It was my four year old noticing. <laughs> She just wanted her daddy to feel better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She just wanted her daddy to be there with her and her to be there. That's all it was. Her four-year-old, my four-year-old's hugging on me. Daddy, let's go for a walk. You're obviously hurting because kids and dogs, they can sense some amazing stuff. Dad, let's just go for a walk. And that's why I went for a walk. It wasn't the science. But then we know the science and why I all this other great stuff happened. Like, it was the four-year-old. And well, now five, of course. But yeah. it, you are connected to an emotional reason, which is, again, we're not typically hyper-logical creatures. Sure. We like to... There's no apologies. <laughs> there, yeah, see, there we there's, go. <laughs> there's, we're not super logical creatures, even though we like to pretend like we are. Like, oh, let's put this deal together because it makes a lot of sense. And, like, and then we don't do it. I'm fucking super guilty of that, of, of like creating a plan that makes, makes logical sense and then not doing it, right? Because where fundamentally we, we find logic post hoc, like afterward to explain why we did something, mm -hmm. right? Or why this thing occurred. Like, oh, this is why. It was because of this, this, and this. But what you recognized was an emotional connection with your daughter who recognized a need in you and a need in herself. And because kids are, they're just so much more in touch with that intuition, with that emotional intelligence versus adults, we can look to them for a lot of those things. Like, why are they behaving like this? They must need something because mm -hmm. they're not an adult. They're not coming at you with this like ulterior motive. Their motive is almost universally for love. Yeah. Like no matter if they're yelling really at you and screaming, yeah. they want, they need something, they need love or security yeah. or safety from you. Like it's, that's, those are the universal needs that they're seeking out. And so if we can tap into that, it's like it's one of the beautiful things about having kids mm -hmm. is that you get to learn and be reminded of that lesson over and over and over again. Well, in something else, I knew it. The Bible talks about it. I, I preached about it. But it wasn't really until that moment and moving forward that it's like we can learn from all sources. And I can mm -hmm. learn from our kids. I was already saying it before, can. but like that was the moment where like, Holy crap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I already was saying these things, but it's like, holy crap, I can learn from my kids. And it's not... Because I grew up in the in, where my parents were educators, so do as I say, not as I do. They literally use that term. Uh, you know, do it because I said so. 
you know, uh, I grew up in that world of like, we're the parents, we know everything. Yeah, which is pretty common. Another thing I used to hear from them uh, was energy is wasted on kids. And I'm like, I believe that for so long. I even remember early on yeah. saying it, but it wasn't, it, it was like, it was like one thing when I started hanging out with my kids more, probably I want to say my, let's see, I'm 40 now. So 32, 33, I like, I get more energy hanging out with them. This is fun. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. I can go sledding again. Like that's, yeah. that's it becomes reciprocal. <laughs> yeah. And what, what kind of adults are you creating if you don't put energy into them? But so, so whatever, yeah. so that's like the thing, like whatever you've heard, like you talk about it well is just think about another option a more positive option of whatever it, but until you have somebody tell that until you ingrain it over and over and over again and tape it on your truck or whatever or whiteboard in the room it's it, you just got to be repetitive until it turns into the positive habit as, as far as the negative habit I think. well it, it becomes you you have these aha moments like you explain and then it all it starts to become less of a habit or a practice that you're intentionally trying to implement and more of just a part of your being. It's just part of who you are, right? You know that I, I get up and I go outside every day and I move out in, in nature. I do this every day. I hug my kid. Whatever the thing is, there's things that I know that I just do that don't really require a ton of effort. And knowing that they're vital to me, if for some reason I haven't done this thing today, if I haven't you know, broken a little bit of a sweat or played with the girls or whatever. I'm like, oh, I probably, I probably need to make sure I do that tomorrow because I, I didn't do it. And like, that's a little piece of me that's missing. It's not about perfection because that's a, that's an unattainable goal. Right. And the, that, that implies a destination or an arrival point at which there is none. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the tricky thing for all of this. Like we we're looking for you know, for goals, endpoints, finish lines, well, like and all the that book. stuff. And like there like is I a wasn't going to write until I knew it was perfect, and I had it all together. Right, like, and when is it perfect? It, exactly, you know? so it's like, just start writing. And, like, I had, I heard somebody else, they wanted to start a business, but they said, until I have everything perfectly outlined, I'm like, then you'll never start one. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. my situation was, and I know your guys is like, you just go. Yeah. And you yeah. get better 1% or whatever percent every day. I'm going to start working on my health when I'm in a little bit better shape. Like when, I'm gonna go see know, a trainer when I can figure it out, which I haven't in like 20 years. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and we we're, we're all guilty of it. We don't we don't want to ask for help in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. We want to. A lot of times, people are seeking like, how can I ask this in a way where the person is hopefully not gonna be judgmental of me? They're hopefully gonna be, you know, like this is socially acceptable for me to ask for this level of help and guidance on something, but I can't go above that. Mm-hmm. I can't admit that I need more help than that. I also got to pretend like I know. I mean, especially all of us working in the fitness industry, this is a huge one. You kind of referenced it before. Like the person that comes to you and you go through this consultation, all right, like here's what we found and this is what we would do. Here's a solution or a plan that we would put together for you to be the most effective. Like, well, I know. I know how to do that. Well, then why are you here? <laughs> like, let's, like, let's reverse. I'm going to pretend so, I've never heard that. If you, <laughs> yeah, right? like, if you know all of these things, and here's the other thing. Like, I, we, I was just talking to you before about listening to one of um, Brian's interviews. I can't remember the guy's last name, but um, this guy, Caleb, and he was talking about that. He goes, I've yet to find someone who doesn't know how to lose weight. Like, talking about fitness coaching. He's like, yeah. you, it's not that as a coach that you need to really teach people 
like the basic fundamentals because we all most people pretty much know it. There might be some tactics that they're unaware of and things like that that you can certainly teach them, but they're coming to the table with a with an understanding of what they have to do. They just haven't found a way to actually execute. And I think that's where it gets tricky is like, a, you know, someone's coming asking for a solution for help for whatever, whether it's health and fitness, that's an easy one. It's on the nose. We can use that as an example. They're coming in for that and they're, they think what they want is a new, um, is a new tactic, a new, like this is the new workout or the new supplement or the new diet that you need to do that you're just, you're unfamiliar with. So let me teach you and that, that that's what they're paying for. And what they really, people really need to wrap our heads around is what I'm actually investing in, whether it's an investment of my money or my time and energy and effort. Yes, will you please turn that off? Unedited, guys. We had a little power outage and the printer is talking to us now. Um, but when This you is go, life, right? Like, this is this life and we navigate. Nothing is time. Perfect. Yes. Um, this is what we're talking about. When you make those investments of money, energy, time into something, what you're actually looking for is a guide, right? And you talked about your parents as educators and instructors, like, I'm going to tell you what to do and how to do it. Like, we, we mostly don't need that when we're looking to improve. We need someone to walk alongside us and challenge us when we need to be challenged, support us when we need to be supported, and offer ideas, insights, tools that might be valuable. Let us try them out and then come back and be, you are their sounding board. As a coach, that's where I've come to understand like where that role is. It's not about writing the perfect workout program because there isn't one, right? Like it's not about giving you the perfect macronutrient breakdown because there isn't one. Mm -hmm. Even if it's perfect in this moment, it won't be tomorrow or the next day or in a year or in five years or 10 years. Like it's just, it is an evolving process. And what I can be for you is a guide. I can be someone who understands this realm on a very deep way where I can present tools to you, I can present ideas to you, and we can work through them together. We can find the one that actually fits your life and your needs and your goals the best and allows itself to be evolved over time because your life will certainly change. And, I'm, you know, go ahead. I mean, what if that's life in general and you probably are already getting at that, but what if that is life just to be a guide and a teacher that these things that Absolutely. happen to, right? Like, I, 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 what, because when we stop and think about the things that are happening to us in their moments and not being maybe so as emotional and reactional, I mean, being emotional, and reactional is human nature, but what if like the things I talked about, like I, I talk about the things my parents have said, oh man, my life is this way because this, this, and this, because that was me. I used to blame them. And it was their fault. Sure. Instead, I started looking at it. It's like, okay, what can I learn from this and be a guy? And it's still a work in progress. But, like, all these things, instead of, like, you know, like, before I came in here, like, hey, what what's going to happen with this? How is it going to be? Well, let's, this could be a reason. God's putting us in this room together for this podcast. But, like, if everything is just a guy as, and a teacher in itself, life in general, not just the people we encounter, sure. like a coach, mm-hmm. life in itself is its own guide and teacher. We just got to be aware of it. Fundamentally, but if we're always it is. Go, go, go. It is. It is. But are we aware of that? Because we're always go, go, go. We're not looking for the teaching or the learning. And, the, and so, like, in the pain, in the trauma, in the hard shit, those are teachable moments instead of, God, why does this shit always happen to me? Oh, my God, my life sucks. Or you're like, and w- 
and I'm talking from a place of where I've been, and that's how Absolutely. I'm able to like. And then I started switching my mindset to be around. These are all just teachable tools, and like I can't control what that was, but I can control how I move into yeah. this percent. And so, mm-hmm. what could I learn from these moments, and how can I forgive whatever? And that that so that's life. Well, you're talking about you know our our mutual friend Kurt would have like I, I think he coined the term I don't know but I I I'm gonna give him Does credit he do- okay. <laughs> the um, the your response dash ability like your responsibility your ability to respond is something that you can control in these things and so when, if you start to look at things as opportunities as lessons as guides to your life you can start to respond to them in very different ways. And I think it's fair to say, hey, you know what? If you have a shitty thing happen to you, let that out. Like, I want to make sure that when someone's listening to this, we're not advocating that you can't be angry or sad or any. You absolutely can and should. And whatever that warrants, if that warrants you venting for 10 minutes or whatever about, like, this motherfucker, like, or whatever it is that happened to you or, like, you know, whatever the thing is that you're upset about, and then bringing yourself back down. And like, what is your ability to respond? What is your responsibility in each moment throughout your day? You know, and if you can start to come to this place where you understand, I'm going to bring it back to empowerment and your ability to choose. Mm -hmm. It's something that I didn't grow up with. And this is like, again, I want to make sure that when we're chatting on here, we're always pointing out that this is not some sort of indignation of, of anyone that's listening like you you got to get your shit together because you're a fucking, because you're a mess. So let me tell you how to do it. We're all a mess. Right? Like, We're all a mess. This, was, this was me. The way I grew up was in a household of victimhood, of being, we are the victim of life. Life is happening to us rather than for us. And that was deeply, deeply ingrained in me. And it was. I think a lot of us it is. Evident. Know. It was evident everywhere I looked. It was evident in the abuse that happened in our house. It was the evident in the financial struggles that we had. It was evident in everything that I watched, you know, my mother struggle with. And it like it proved itself to be true because we were creating that truth. And like I understand now, which obviously I didn't as a little kid, that she was creating this world where she was the victim. And because the more deeply she created that world, the more she became a victim. The more she became a victim, and then the more that, gets that proved in the kids, because I've seen that in my older and brother. I've was. seen these things, and like it's just you got to be aware. And and for me, again, this is my. I'm gonna come back to your paprika because I just love it. But the paprika thing is like when I started to slow down a little bit more. Like uh, I, I love this example. There's a million examples, but it just came to mind when I was thinking. And it's like uh, we all know Winston Churchill, and you probably with everything you read, you probably know this guy. But like he, he during World War II would go on two hour walks, and he would do watercolor paintings that he was apparently bad at or something yeah. like but like you, it's like how could somebody like that stop when he's got the there germany's you're like on your doorstep world war you're like germany's <laughs> literally like this close like they could have like if yeah. they would if with today's technology they would have been there but like because it gave him clarity and it gave him time to think things over but and it gives us a second probably a second perspective and instead mm-hmm. of doing this he did that you know it's same yeah. thing with life it's like you know, and and somebody over the weekend was wasn't telling me, but I was I was around them, and this guy was like always going after one project after another, and he's like, you you can do six things at sixty percent or two things at a hundred percent. Which one is it going to be? It's like, sure. It's like, mm-hmm. but so, again, we probably all know that it makes sense, right? But we have to be told. 
we got to keep telling and, ourselves that. And reminded, and I, again, I think that it goes back to how separated we are from one another. And it, and this is a very difficult thing in the world of entrepreneurship, if especially if you're kind of a one-man shop, right? Or even, you know, even if you're not necessarily a one-man shop, if you are the main, like this is your main gig, and maybe you have some contracted employees and stuff like that, but you spend end up spending a lot of time by yourself thinking about plans and ideas, and then there's opportunities that are brought to you. It's really easy to get pulled in multiple directions. Happens to me frequently, right? I'm, I'm feeling that way right now with some stuff. And so you have to, you've got to find trusted resources to talk about that and then be reminded of that. Like you can spread yourself to these 10 different projects and none of them will be very successful because it's just math, right? You just don't have the energy to pour. It's like pour. a pie. Look at a pizza pie. Yeah. Like it's, you just keep pulling more pieces You can't pour 100% out. into 10 things at once. You just can't. And if you have two projects, you probably still need to prioritize one of those and say, this one's going to get about 70% of my effort. This one's going to get about 30 because this one is very important and this one is... I want it, but it's not as, as vital or as critical. Mm -hmm. And starting to understand how to balance that, again, comes back to creating space in your life, understanding that you have choice, that you have the ability to choice to respond I in think kind. that's the key word. You have a choice. You have a choice, and that comes back to empowerment. But we are a society that is constantly in pursuit of giving up our power. Tell me how to do this. Tell me when I can go back to the restaurant. Tell me when I can take a mask off. Tell me when I can eat my snack. Oh, should, it be at, should it be no, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 2.30 in the mm -hmm. afternoon? Like, tell me the specifics. And then if it doesn't go well or the outcome isn't as what it was perceived to be, you can blame it on someone. Yeah, like, What's it's not, not my me? fault. I asked Melissa how to eat, mm -hmm. and I didn't see any changes, and I did what she told me to do, so it must be her fault. Right? And it's not about necessarily po always pointing the finger back at yourself. I think that it becomes this very slippery slope. I'm obsessed with the idea of polarity or duality in life and the necessity for both things, the necessity for dark and light in our life. Because without one, you can't see the other. The other doesn't, it, its existence relies mm -hmm. on the opposite being in existence as well. And so you have to accept personal responsibility for some things and be able to hold that there are also outside influences that will impact your success with whatever it is that you're you're seeking out right but it's, it has to be a shared experience and that comes back to recognizing the world around you as a guide as an opportunity for lessons because if you understand if I'm working with Melissa on you know my my lifestyle and nutrition and I understand that this is a partnership where we're working together to improve my health, I fundamentally believe that it's incumbent on both me and her to show up fully in terms of how we execute things, how we discuss things, what sort of actions we take or don't take. Like now it's a partnership instead of me giving up my power and saying, do this for me, Melissa. Tell me exactly when to put food in my mouth, how many times to chew it, like all these sort of things, because now it's not my fault if I fail. Yeah. It's her fault if I fail. Yeah, I think it's as much as like, I think it's as much as like taking full responsibility. And within that, I always try to, uh, 
you know, it's something my wife and I have talked about. Like, it, you know, people go into relationships, whether it be marriage, whether it be a business partnership, you know, you look at kids, whatever relationship. And I talk about relationships because anytime you have an interaction today, we're having a relationship here with this podcast yeah. is how I'm trying to get it across. But which you guys are aware, but for people listening, I was like, you know, I always go back to Christmas. So just like, what can you give to it even if you're the one paying what can you give to it so therefore you can get more out of it like we know that so we know that there's triggers literally in our brain that yes if we take care of ourselves we're going to be better but if we also service others that's going to help us out too the same things that trigger you know endorphins of like things like sex and whatever else so it's like you know even in that like you're looking at like okay i'm going to take responsibility but that's so hard because it's like we want to lay our shit and we're all guilty of this like like okay here's my here's my thing fix it and then if it's not fixed because i told you my thing and i want all your little tools to eat this at 10 a.m then it's your fault not the 20 years of mine but like so I think there's that building that why in my gym, it's been about building relationships, being more individualistic, like growing these things. Therefore, we can get to this point there. By growing these relationships, you see better results. And when we talk about health, just like you, you guys talk about health as well. It's like it's not just the losing weight. It's not just it's way bigger. Yeah. You know, so it's a it's a bitter picture. And I think that's what I want people that, that, that you know, especially with my book, but everything that just health is way bigger bigger encompassing picture than just the weight loss or 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 the bikini season as you talked about yeah. it earlier it, it's 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 our mind it's our body it's our spirits so it's a relationship with our wife and our kids and there is no perfect so be gentle on yourself but it, it, i think the biggest thing is like i always say if you can just always every day go out and lead with love like love on yourself because i think that's hard too a lot of us just we don't realize it because i had it like i hated myself yeah. I, here's the thing. Like, I was in wrestling. I couldn't shower naked with the guys even though it was the rules. I would fucking lie about it and fake about it because of my abuse as a kid. I hated my own body. Yeah. And this come from a man. And this is hard yeah. stuff to talk about. So, like, like we, we got to love ourselves. And, and therefore, we got to love others, too. And it's like, if you just do that. And love the skin you're in, but just know you can get better. Because we're nowhere near where we want to be. I'm glad you touched yeah. on that, right? It's, it's not an either or. It's a yes and. Right, and and we yeah. get stuck in these either or things. Like I can either be selfish and focus on loving myself and caring about myself and doing great things for myself and my health and my personal this that and other thing, or I can be sacrificial for others and give of myself and give myself both. and both. Mm-hmm. But if you do either of those things by themselves, they're destructive. You'll destroy your life if you're solely focused on yourself and only self-serving. Your, watch your life crumble around you. I got a good example. Right? If you're solely focused on only giving of yourself to other people, watch your life crumble. Yeah. At a certain and point, think, you're, you don't have anything to give. Right? I'm sorry. I think ahead. Justin brought up a good point of you can love where you're at and not be satisfied Correct. in the same moment. Right? It's like you can still both want ideas. To, You can still want to improve and be content in the moment. Or be grateful for where you're. I've at. got one on that too. Like, so this is funny. This is where you can learn from your kids. So the other, this is like, like two weeks ago. This is pretty recent. My oldest daughter, I'm doing her hair, and she's 11. And she, random question, bus is about to come. She's like, "When do you stop growing?" And she's talking vertically. Yeah. And I'm like, my son has been was on point this week with just sports, everything. He was just doing. He was just awesome. So I'm like, I don't know where it came from me, but I was like, Jalen, why don't you go answer that? And uh, Jalen's like, "Hey, I'm just." I have no idea what he's going to say. I literally have no idea. I'm just like, well, let's see what happens. So we'll throw it into the wind. And he's like, he sits there for a minute. 
and he's thinking, and he's thinking. It's probably a whole 60 seconds go by. He's like, you never stop growing in your mind, Dad. I'm done here. <laughs> I, I'm done here. Like, <laughs> woo, you get it. <laughs> Parenting accomplished. It's like because, and, and then I asked my daughter, what are ways you can continue to grow your mind? And then I answered the vertical question. But it was just it was just a cool moment in that I think we never stop growing. And it's okay, you know, love yourself, love others. Just always grow everything around you. And it's a balance, and you're never going to be perfect. But uh, there was something else I was going to say on that. Well, that growth is, yeah. again, it's not... It's not in a in a place where you're not recognizing reality, right? Like growth will happen, something will die off, there'll be a change of seasons, like the, the, there's a cycle to all of these things, but ultimately we're all we're you're trending up, right? Is the goal with any of those things that you're continuing to seek out new experiences, you're continuing to seek out new understanding, and by doing that you remain youthful. Like you talked about playing with your kids and engaging with them energizes you. Mm -hmm. It keeps you engaged in the community, whether it's your initial family or the community outside of that. Your parents, Melissa, are a great example of this, who they spend a tremendous amount of their time, and I, I don't know about now that your sister moved away, but like up until this point in their life, they've spent most of their time socially around people that are significantly younger than them. They've always been and part of our social circles. They've always yeah. been part of our like our social circles. Yeah, and as a result, they're more open to, to ideas that their peers are not. They're in better health, generally speaking. Than they're, like, yeah. They do all these things, and it's it's very, very different for them because they're open to this to this growth and this idea of like, oh, let me meet some new people. Let me, ch yeah. can I change I mean, my mind yeah. about this idea? Even just being playful and laughing. I just saw something on Instagram. It was like kids laugh like 300 times a day and adults laugh like three or something. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, I mean, I'm, I'd love to look it up, but I, I'm sure it's yeah. pretty damn something. close. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah, even, yeah, if yeah. It, even if those numbers are wildly off, it's just like, no, I'm pretty I know sure. that my kids laugh. I mean, was and the Dylan older laughing they laughing at last night at well, dinner, and she was like literally falling out of her chair. Well, how like how old are your kids? Something about Aubrey, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's something to cultivate in your house because as they get older, too. So I'm an 11 and eight, and four or five now. And I swear my five and eight laugh a lot more than my 11. It's something that I've noticed. So it's yeah. trying to make her laugh. Because it's like. So that's yeah. interesting because your kids are older than ours. Yeah, obviously. so it's like something to be aware of, too. But you just assume, like, like yeah. laughter or playing is for the children. And like, you know, I grew up again. Another thing, like, oh, I'm too old for that. And we've heard that. We've heard yeah. clients and friends. And it's like, as soon as you get that in your head, yeah, you are. Like, or I'll never be able to do yeah. that. Like, I had a different perspective. I'm 40. I, I thought 40 was going to be way more decrepit I, oh, I feel yeah. great and I feel oh, yeah. better than ever and like I feel like I'm just now like starting to get I, yeah, like I remember being like 16 or 17 and meeting a 35 year old and I'm like oh my god you're so old and now I'm, I'm gonna be 37 and I'm yeah, like you, all right like it feels good <laughs> like, oh, and that's okay to feel yeah. good about it but this is the example to skip a little like we talk about serving and everything else. I, you know, not to be so cliche, but I'm going to bring Jesus. We all, whether you're a believer or not, like he was this dude that like was the ultimate giver. We'll go talk in front of people. But what people don't always realize is like he would like leave before he got too popular. And then as soon as he left, sometimes he'd be like, you guys stay down here. I'm literally going to climb like an Adirondack mountain. No joke. He would climb in his sandals and robe to go be by himself for like hours or even days to just meditate. Like, yeah. like, I think we can all, whether we're a Christian or not, find value in that. Like, this guy 
died at 32, did some incredible stuff. He knew when he needed to take care of himself, but he also yeah. knew when he needed to take care of others. He, he also found the value in brute strength. The dude yeah. was Jack, Jack Jesus. Yeah. But like. and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stigma around wanting that time alone. Like, I saw so many things on social media this Mother's Day that was like, you're not a bad mom if you want to spend time away from your kids today. Or you're not a bad mom if you ask for, like, just, like, you know, like reassuring moms on Mother's Day. Mothers that, like, are so hard. You know, yeah. and and I think that it's a really hard thing for people to ask for help, for people to ask for that time. And that's something that I we've gotten so much better at. Yeah. Um, myself especially, where you know, understanding, recognizing that, but, and not letting it fester to the yeah. point where it's like, I fucking need a day. Where like, right. where like <laughs> you know, it's just like, let's but, where your bandwidth is like this. address it but, you know, a few days before that, so you're like, I'm feeling a little stressed. But there is there like, is this stigma around taking that time or needing that time or wanting that time where you're literally making memes saying like it's okay mom you know well that and there's also a socially accepted definition of what that time can and should look like so it's like let's go get wine with the girls like is that actually restorative to you if it is that's fine Right, if you have a group of super, using your mother example, the the, the mom example. Wine and massage. If you have, yeah. if you have a group of moms that are super supportive, and you know what, every once in a while you get together and you guys open a bottle of wine and you just talk for hours and you have this really great connection, then that's probably nourishing your soul, right? That's probably yeah, good. But it for needs you. to be but, real conversation and real connection, well, not just two hours of bitching about your kids and, and your husband. Drunk. Right, and that's that's my point. Is like so. This is like this is something that is socially acceptable. Is to go and for guys, it's the same thing. Like let's go to the bar and slam some beers and bitch about our wives. And like it, that's like the socially acceptable thing to do. So then people are like, well, I need some time alone to go do that. And then they do it, and they're like, oh, I feel like shit the next morning. Right? You're like, okay, so you didn't actually take time to help yourself be in a better place. You took time and like dug the hole a little bit deeper than it was before you got started. So starting to recognize that one, not only is it okay to ask for that time and take that time, but two, what should that time actually look like for you? Is it getting together with some friends and having a drink? There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to condemn that, right? If it is and it serves you and you come out feeling motivated and happy and connected then fucking do it. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's going for a walk in the woods. My sister is a mental health counselor, and she has been so excited about uh, the weather lately and where her apartment is up here. She moved up here from the Bronx, and she's like, I go basically every single day after work. The first thing I do is drive to Ellison Park and just go walk in the woods. Yeah. What's funny is I've had some male clients uh, who were, you know, the drink the 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 pain the go down after work drinking and and and, and just didn't spend time in the basement away from their kids away from their they've had a long day away from their wife a long day at work to like now they they're just living yeah they've lost the weight they're eating better but now they're going on hikes with us with their kids so they're efficient so it's time that him and I can bond our kids can bond we're out in nature yeah and we're all there's like nothing to say you can't trees, merge even them. us yeah, yeah. And there's like, no one to say that so you it's can't a, merge things exactly and that's right? what I'm getting across like people are like well it's like oh where do we have enough time enough time in a day well sometimes it's about efficiency and, and be okay but also one thing is like I had to teach myself this like yeah we walk for an hour every day and I think in the beginning it has to happen well 
it still happens because we schedule it, but it doesn't have to be exactly perfect. In the beginning, sure. uh, like when we decided this was going to be a regular thing, I think I even me as a father was trying to search for it. it has to be perfect so it can be perfect. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I didn't say that out loud, but it's like I started realizing yeah. some tension if it wasn't going like, whoa, chill out, Justin, listen to your own advice for a second and yeah. and just let it happen. I think understanding two different seasons, like we're noticing like a little bit of a shift in our kids. Ours are five and three and things are becoming easier. Road trips to my parents' house to Long Island. Easier, yeah. yeah, they've been easier. There's less crying. They get dressed most mornings. Potty they get dressed by themselves, right? Like <laughs> diapers. You know, like yeah. we're you know, and it, understanding that there is an evolution to that kind of stuff, and that they're going in without those expectations is helpful because I do the same thing. I'm like, well, if we're going on this family hike, then it has to look like this. And if it's not looking like that, then, like, why? We, we talk about this. We actually talk about this in my book because I obviously cover this subject matter because it all filters. Like, what happens as a child can filter your parenthood unless you're not sure. aware. And it's like, we... Not only can, it, it will. Like, it's... It, well, it'll, it'll show up. Yeah. And if you're not intentional about it, It'll show up likely in a way that you don't want it to. And you're right. It, it will. And I think uh, one of the things that, that I, I've talked about is like, you know, witnessing somebody in Disney World, a father yell at his kid because he's not enjoying it as much as the father wants him to enjoy it, which is only making it worse. Yeah. And I'm like, here I am for free in the woods having a Disney World moment. So it doesn't have to be this, that, or the other. It could be Disney World, yeah. if that works for you. But it could be the woods. It could be camping. If you don't like camping, just find out what you guys as a family will all enjoy together. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. And I love that example because, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to a, a certain degree of societal expectation, right? There's an expectation that you take your family to Disney World and that everyone smiles and wears a fucking Mickey hat and has a great time, Right? But if that father, I'm going to assume that, I'll make some assumptions here and I could totally be wrong, but let's just for the I sake, made of, mine and I'll for the sake mine of the story. It, it might match right I'm going to assume that <laughs> that trip was probably a major financial stretch for that family. Probably. Yeah. There was a lot hinging on it, right? There was probably a lot of things he had to do to get time off from work or that it was like, I, I'm imagining there was the a year. tremendous mm-hmm. amount of stress placed upon this moment, moment. Yep. this coming here. And then that came out at his kid. And I, I have to believe that as a loving parent, like that would not be an intentional thing, but it's something that it's his responsibility in that situation was low. His ability to respond well to what his expectations were versus what was actually happening. Like they just, it wasn't there for him. But again, did you even want to fucking go to Disney World? Did your kid even want to go? How many of those things do we put into our children's minds and define that this is the thing that'll make you happy? Going to this place or having this thing or do rather than saying, Did this make you happy? When we went on a hike and we played, was that fun? Yeah, it was, Dad. Cool. Would you like to do it again? Yeah. So you go to the amusement park. Was that fun for you? Yeah, it was okay. Alright, maybe we'll do it again sometime. But So that's funny you say that, because that's kinda like before we plan out whether our daily adventures or a vacation Instead of saying, let's go to a, a France because the Alpo Tower, let's go here, the Disney World. I'm like, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to experience? What do you want to feel? How do you want to be? And then we'll figure out the where. Let's just figure out the what. Yeah. yeah. Like, for example, every day before we go out, it's like, well, where do you guys want to do? What do you want to feel? Like, where? what are you guys thinking? Oh, let's just play on the playground. Okay, cool. Let's just play. How? And then, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. I. It's funny you say that because, you know, I just kind of just... It made sense to me in my head to like, cause that was what I was thinking. I like, I don't really care the where 
I just care the what and how I feel. Yeah. And it's all because of experience. Again, teachable moments. It's learning not only from myself and my mistakes. It's learning from, you know, my parents and those seeing moments like the Disney World and thinking whether it's an assumption or not. Like, just why would that have happened? And then, like, how are we going to be better fathers and better And husbands? being in those moments. Back yeah. to you talking about them being lessons and, and moments to learn from. I, like, immediately I was reminded of when we were living in California. And mm-hmm. we had... We were both teaching. We were both working in a gym. In addition to that, Melissa was also uh, cocktail waitressing at like a restaurant. I don't know why we didn't need the like the extra revenue. Like we were very comfortable with our. We didn't have any kids or anything at the time. Like, but we were doing all this stuff. And one of the things that we really enjoyed doing when we lived out there was snowboarding. We were about an hour and a half away from uh, a couple of mountains that were really fun, and we went all the time. We we went a lot. And during this one period of our lives where we had all these little side gigs, we could only go on Sundays. Now, prior to that and after that, we were like, it was pre-loosey-goosey. We'd like, hey, let's fucking not go to work on Friday and go up for three days and just go. And we always bought season passes. So if we went on the mountain for a couple runs, we're like, eh, not feeling it. Let's go out to dinner or go for a hike or something instead. So there's no like attachment to needing the day to be like worth it in terms of the investment. Mm-hmm. But as that got filtered down to only having Sundays on the mountain, where we drive up like Saturday night and spend the night, or we go up Sunday morning early, it'd be draining. It became like, like we have to have fun. This is fucking mandatory fun on Sunday, and if it's not fun, then what the fuck are we and doing? It's your fault. No, not even anyone's fault. <laughs> oh, it's okay. just like what the fuck. Like, and I remember yeah, we so had the conditions this moment. weren't great, or there was too many people. Or, well, we went yeah. there, and there was the mountain was just. Swarmed with people. There were so many people on there, and it was exi- it was like this culmination of having worked a ton of hours and coming in. We're like we had this one day. We get there, and there had to have been like triple the amount of people that was normally on the mountain, and everyone was from another country. So no one fucking spoke English. And they were all English. beginners, and they would like, just sit in the middle of the mountain. And they're all mean. <laughs> there, there's like pods of like 40 people sitting. You'd come around a bend, bombing down the mountain, and I'm like, fuck. And that was, was a just like 40. right there. And so, yeah, we and went we, home and we quit our jobs. Yeah. We went home. We're like, why? <laughs> like, why was stuff. that so bad? Yeah. Like because of this. We, I, I love said, your why analysis of that. Your analyzation of that. I think that that's the, the fact that you're able to realize that, and that, and that's what we talk about, like the two and hundred percent or the six and sixty percent, because it's like when you have all this, and when you put it, it's like you know, I'd rather have a bunch of little mini trips. And like these daily adventures, yeah. than just one in here, and like yeah, and that's what like. Well, yeah, I mean anything time. you you amp it up so much every holiday. I'm like disappointed every holiday <laughs> because I'm like Christmas is coming, it's gonna be so great, and then like it's the day after Christmas. I was like, oh, that was it. You well, it's know? funny. Like, it's like we're never prepared for the day that comes the same day every single year, but it's, yeah. you're always you know, it. or you know, it's just but it you comes have back, these these it's unrealistic expectations, expectations. right? It's, yeah. it's always uh, expectations. So are another one of those things that they have dual purpose or there's there's a duality to it, right? I think having expectations of yourself for how you show up and how you engage with people and your the, how you respond to situations that's really valuable. You have to hold yourself accountable to some degree of expectations more than expectations. Exactly, and that's where it starts to be a little yeah. bit different. But having being super attached to the expectation of an outcome. Mm-hmm leads to pain, disappointment, frustration, you know, yeah. whether it doesn't matter what you're talking about the outcome, yeah. what it is. Like this past um this past weekend was was one of those events for mm-hmm. myself and for you and for your parents and everything. Like we had this, 
you know, we had this thing planned and, and we thought it was going to be like an overwhelmingly positive thing. And, and it just, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't and that positive. It wasn't it was not, it was, it was, it was not what we had expected. And we were monumental. so bought into this expectation, especially myself. I was super bought into the expectation and as a result, found myself very like, down and disappointed about it not living up to that. Well, I think you brought up Chris, Christmas. I think that's a great example. And I think we've lost what it's about. And I'm not talking about the religious. I'm talking about the giving. Like, we mm-hmm. can control. Like, think of, like, and so. Not, not you love the her. giving of a present. Like, the giving exactly. of your time and Exactly. Your and that's energy. what I'm talking about, the giving. Like, I, you can control what you give. Like, you love her. You love your kids. And if you gave everything you could to show that... You'd be good, and you'd you'd get the most out of it. But there's expert. Oh well, what if they don't like it? Or I want everything to be perfect, or the decorations, or their response to it, or what yeah. am I gonna get? Or all these other things that are attached mm-hmm. to it. Instead, if all your focus is on that, you gave a hundred percent of yourself to give love on that day, then you should feel pretty good that you did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then then yeah. you shouldn't feel all. Again, we're all working through this. So, like, I'm with you. Like, yeah. I'm not saying, like, I figured this out. Sure. Like, no. Just so we're clear. On this. No one here has figured it out. And here's the, but here's the if, hint. What if we all tried no to do that has. this Christmas? What if we all challenged ourselves, like, let's focus it on this? Well, and we, yeah. we've we even adjusted, like, our expectations. Like, my mom's like, you need to have presents under the tree. I'm like, Mom, I'm 37. I don't need presents under the tree. Really our kids get one thing. Well, you know, and <laughs> we've, we've started doing, like, a trip. Like, let's all go and do a trip or let's do an experience, some sort of experience. Experience, yeah, we talk about um, that too. Or even just a bigger thing. Like, we bought a trampoline this summer and everyone chipped in for the tramp. Like, so it's not a million little things that get lost or broken or just take up clutter. Like, let's buy this one thing that's a little bit more expensive that everyone can enjoy in a different way as opposed to 25 you know, miscellaneous, See, like you know, unnecessary that. gifts. And that's another thing about, like, I didn't go, I went on, I, we went on one vacation my whole childhood, and it was Cancun, I don't even want to go down how we were able to do that, but long story short, <laughs> they got money that wasn't theirs in the bank, which is, they still dealt with in court, and yeah. anyway, that's a whole other story. But long story short, we, we never went on vacation, so for me, it was just like that, like, I'd rather have an adventure with memories than the thing that's a kid toy that's just gonna get broken or lost yeah. in a week and i'm sure but we still do it and occasionally they might but again ours is planning the trips for the year or going on a trip yeah. and, and i i think there's 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 joy in that and one thing i've actually the stories we still talk about regularly in our family that we bring up my son even wrote a story for a classroom project is some of the ones that were like hard like this past year this this is an interesting one it's got me to think of like you know, moments aren't exactly, and they probably shouldn't be. Like, we went to, uh, for those that are in the, the New York area, we went to Indian Head and Rainbow Falls. It's this gorgeous area we see. Right? Have you guys ever been there? No. no. should go hike there. It's just, it's not a hard hike. It's a, just expect to be there for a while. A lot of pictures. A lot of waterfalls. Gorgeous place. Like, you feel like you're in South America in one of these waterfalls. Anyways, um, go the long way. Don't go the short way just to get to the top. Don't race to the top. Enjoy the journey. That sounds like advice for life. It is. It totally is. But that's, again, that's the whole thing. Enjoy the journey. And my kids actually taught me that during hiking. I would want to, as an athlete, want to race to the top of these mountains. Mm -hmm. Like, like it was a channel. Like, it was CrossFit, you know? Yeah. And that's cool, too. But also, like, enjoy the journey. And by me slowing down and looking at the frog and looking at this and that, I've seen some cool stuff. Anyways beautiful per everything's perfect literally we were stopping we're hanging out we're we're not in a rush to get back like we we, we decided to you know have, give ourselves an extra day when we got back like everything like we're instead of rushing back into work 
So we had time, and we're in a rush to get off this hill. We get up to the top, we see the clouds are rolling in. And we looked at the weather, said there was going to be fine, it was going to be clear. It starts sprinkling. Then it turns into a downpour. And you got to think, we're, if people are familiar, at the top of Indian Head, uh, it was like at least another two hours. Because where you have to park, you have to walk a mile and a half just to get to, to the get actual to, hike. Yeah. And, and so, so there was a varying level of emotion. I'm going to say we're all cheering down like Wizard of Oz. Varying levels of emotions, blaming me. There's all kinds of stuff. Sure. Uh, moments of me putting my daughter on my back. Moments of me trying to get Jalen, his emotions under control. Uh, Ava was singing the whole time, of course. She was, like, da, da, da. she was singing in the rain. Aralyn's a little stressed, and my wife's upset that her hair is getting wet, and her shoes, and muddy. Anyways, we start to just all deal with it. And then we start to enjoy it, and then I sprint, you know, like, cool dad, mile and a half, to go get the car and pull it as close to the hill as I could. But they still talk about it. We laugh about it. We enjoy it. It's one of the best memories. So it's like the we some of these hardest, most challenging times with, with as parents, as husbands and wife are the ones that actually turned into joy afterwards, or even joy during, and like some of these things that we still remember. So back to the purpose through pain or whatever. But it's just like these incredible moments, and, and the ones that you don't even need pictures for to remember because sure. they're stuck in our brain. And, and, and it's just, it was one of these moments that I, I, you know, it's like we even think about it. And what I noticed from that moment too, like kids after that moment, nothing really, I mean, they're kids, so things affect them. But like when we go on these other hikes, they, they went and literally took Crocs when it was like 40 degrees out and we we're hiking and it was raining and they never said anything. And I'm like, if I was like, like I, I, I had hiking boots on, I'm like, how are they not like, and I, all I could think back was back to Indian Head and Rainbow Falls and it's like, I don't know if that's why, but all I know is, is it built them up a little bit mm -hmm. to like, whatever, this is life. And that's my story. Like, this is life. Like, one of yeah. my first chapters is the devil doing push-ups in the parking lot because it's like, this is life. How are we going to navigate in, through, and around? It's okay to get emotional. It's okay to deal with it, but shit's always going to keep coming at you. And I say, like, the devil gets creative as you get, like, more, you know, more mindful of it and the more wisdom you get. It's not like it ever goes away. More sure. successful you get, it, if anything, gets more creative. Absolutely, tuck, jump, burpee, backflip, craziness. It's so. with. I mean, it's, it's within you, right? Like, yeah. and the more you understand how to better yourself, the more sophisticated the part of you that wants to kind of drag you down and and cling to familiarity or your past. That that part also becomes more sophisticated. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of of how we evolve. And when you think about experiences like that hike. Those sort of things, not just for families, but for people in general, they bond people. It's the reason that something like, you know, that CrossFit, when it first came onto the um, this, the fitness scene, it's the reason why people were became so fanatical about it. Because a lot of people, and we've talked about this early on in opening our facility, is like, man, we, we, like, we made these mistakes, we shouldn't have done this. I'm like, I don't believe that, because at first I believed that people were starving, for some sort of very like visceral physical challenge in their mm. life that most people had not had that. And I had had the, the luck, the opportunity to have had a lot of those experiences where I was just physically pushed to a limit that most people had not. Right. And, and with other people in a, in a place that creates a deep bond and trust. And you I think what military, your kids, yeah. yeah. And you could talk about this and we, you read about it, but like, that's the thing, these hard times where we've had to get through it together. That's what it is. And, and your, your kids yes. being more resilient now, I guarantee you whether they consciously understand it or not, they went through that challenging gauntlet 
of that hike with their entire family and the unit the family unit got through it together <laughs> through challenges through disagreements and they came out and everyone still loved each other and everyone was still there for each other right so they start to see like oh we were so give me a picture up, we were so if we fuck up it's still okay if we go somewhere and it's hard, it's still okay. We will all take care of it. Like, it becomes something that you start to understand on a deeper level. And now you're more willing to take that hardship on, right? What a lot of us fear is I'm going to be in this place of pain or struggle and have no way out and have no one to support me and no one to help me if I can't get up. And then that starts to create fear around those things. So now I don't go in the woods because if I fall, there's no one to help me, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm using that in, in like a, a metaphorical that's sense. That's where I find right? faith. Like for those that don't know my faith journey, like I grew up in a Catholic home that felt very forced. And if you don't go to church, I'll beat you. Like I literally got beat one day because I didn't go to church. Like I remember it under the bed being dragged and pulled, you know, those little like metal hooks on the mm-hmm. bed. Like I remember cutting my back because my dad was like hitting me, go to church. And I'm like, what kind of message is that sending? At the time I didn't think that. but like, sure. And and so I steered far away from church, didn't want anything to do with it. I went from like literally like hating God and not believing in a God. Like, that's my journey. Like, it, it, it fast forward, it was literally finding that me through faith, and faith could be anything, just believing and know that you just let go of the reins, that you can't mm. control m- merely anything except for the things that we've talked about on this podcast and having faith in something greater and bigger and just like, you know, there's going to be a lot of times where you're alone. So let go, let God. I mean, that's big for me because it's like I'm going to control these things that I can control, which is very little. But if I can just let the universe or whatever take care of that rest, whew, there's comfort in that. And for sure. me, that's God. And I found Jesus. That may be something different for somebody else. But I think we all need something like that. We need something that can take the reins, as you talk about, because it's like to get us through these painful moments. And that, and then when I started growing bigger and starting to live that kind of lifestyle of like, this is what I can control. Okay, this is uncontrolled. What this person does to me, I can't control. But how I respond, I can Gave me comfort and gave me, started seeing the light of sorts. Sure. You know, through the woods or whatever, or the, it gives like in that box. Perspective. Yeah. Right? Recognizing, recognizing our place both within our own internal existence, our place in our world, as well as our place in the, the universe in general, it gives that, that balance, that duality that I was talking about where we are both infinitely significant and infinitely insignificant at the same time right we we have a lot of control over our reactions and our choices and the things that we do and we don't have a lot of control around what happens in in our external environment Mm -hmm. right and starting to recognize that whether it's a specific faith or just an understanding of interconnectedness i know for me and you and i've talked about this like for me over the last year or so, developing a, a a visceral connection to my understanding and belief that we are all connected in one way or another, and that we're not only connected to each other as human beings, but also to the the earth, to the universe, to some sort of spiritual force or something. Like there's some sort of level of connection that extends beyond just 
this moment like in my body and I don't have a very clear definition of that um, but I also don't believe that you need it and just like we we're talking about you know your morning routine versus what someone else should do for their morning routine all of these things should and can be very personal and mm -hmm. they can be they adapted should be. right they need to do something that you and they'll serve do. you in the same way mm -hmm. the the value is in recognizing both your power and the power of the world around you and how those things dance together and how those play together and whether that's recognizing the power of you know a deity or a, a spiritual faith or the universe or whatever like whatever however you want to define it recognizing that there's forces outside of you that contribute to your experience and there's forces within you that you can leverage to contribute to your experience recognizing that you have both of those and you need to hold both of those it opens your life up in a very different way mm -hmm. and it allows you to experience life in a very different way and i think for many people that is religion and for many for many people i think they're lost because so many my and this was me i have not i, I can't remember a time that i've ever been a religious person mm -hmm. didn't grow up that way and and frankly didn't like it i didn't i was adamantly against it and part of the that reason me, yeah. that i started like a year ago doing some of the things i was doing was I, I actually wanted to connect to some degree of of spirituality or something bigger mm -hmm. than than myself because i did i felt a yearning for that and i think yeah. you see that in our culture where people are like they're assigning almost godlike properties to things like nutrition advice or politics, or, or their wh house, whatever, their like you, you name it. Like yeah. there's, there, there's a worship of this idea because we are in search of something that's bigger than ourselves. We, we just, it's part of the human condition, at least I believe. You just said if you don't worship something bigger than yourself, then you're gonna worship something or someone. And, and that's it. That may be unhealthy. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and so I think that's something that's it's really valuable, and I'm glad that, that the book um, touches on that. Yeah, and you t like you talked about it, and I, I it, it's a struggle because you know sometimes we all want to say, man, some people suck. I hate that, whatever. Like, but like if we start looking at life, and this is something I'm working on, is just is we're all brothers and sisters, or we're all on the same team. We just don't know each other yet. Like, sure. Like it, it, it's hard. Like, especially if you're a victim of abuse, like me, like, how can I, how can that, how can that guy, I don't know if you were saying this, but yeah. I would have said this years ago. How can he forgive somebody? How can he say that somebody that did something like that to him, sure. that that's his brother? There was something in the, this book that I have in front of me where he, he's, he, he was starting to realize like how he was so disconnected with his kids and his son, his son was like five, six, seven. And, and he said something like, he said, dad, we're brothers. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just going to let, let this marinate. And, and he goes on and they have this conversation. And he's like, and then the son basically says, well, like, if we both were the same God and he's our father, we're brothers. And so, like, the way he cultivated his relationship with his son was more of, like, that instead of, like, this, I'm the father, you do as I say that he was. It's more of, like, okay, I'm just more like your mentor, like, you, yeah. you, you like, like, like your coach or something yeah. of that, that sort. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, I'm wise in this area, but I can also learn from you, too which totally gave him different perspective and things that we've talked about on here. It's like, man, what if we just went out in this world and started thinking about that and like spent more time saying, I thank you, thank you, or I love you, or, or I'm grateful for like, Hey, this cash register looks really stressed. 
has she ever heard thank you once or she just ex are people just expecting her to scan her groceries sure and little things like that are huge mm -hmm. so I, I i love that and with with that in mind i'd like to kind of turn it over to to you as far as um any last just ideas concepts that um that you want to make sure that we convey and obviously i want to make sure that i say it right now uh, you guys be on the lookout for Justin's book, Purpose Through Pain, Finding Limitless Potential in the Presence of Adversity. Um, and I'll put that, I'll put some information in the show notes to it so you guys will be able to access that stuff. Um, but in reference to the book, anything that you want to share before we sign off? I know that you have a reading that you'd like to share yeah, as well. Yeah, I want to read so. in this, but uh, I think we covered a lot and we could always, I feel like every time we get together, we could talk for hours, but again, just to repeat on maybe some of the things, but just, you know, just about being a man and being a mother and being the best version, as long as you're doing something every day to better these areas, something, be kind to yourself, you know, love yourself. We talked about it, love others. And just, if you go with that attitude and slow the heck down, like I have to tell myself, I'm sure you guys do, and it's so hard especially if you're in the servant man mindset or you're a business owner or an entrepreneur and you've got all these things and maybe you have one day where you're rushing things but maybe you find balance in the next day but i think like love unity and just like being okay like i struggle with a guy with add for those that can relate like having complete silence but i've learned to find benefit in it too yeah. it's fucking hard though <laughs> yeah so i'll read this with that yeah let's uh, hey so this, for those that know, if you're a man, uh, it's called Becoming the King by Morgan Snyder. I think it took like 10 years talking to a bunch of elders, and he's still trying to figure it out, but it's a lot of things we talked about being 1% better, uh, being the best uh, father and king in the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, but I think anybody can relate to this, again, it, it, no matter uh, what your deity or, or faith is in. And it applies a lot to what I had to go through to really truly release the pain that I was in and that I still see people in very prominent positions in society that still struggle with. And it's the topic of just forgiveness for yourself and for others. So, Father, I give you every way that I have elevated myself in a kingly realm in a way that was beyond what you entrusted to my care. I ask for your forgiveness and I give you access to sort it all out. Jesus, I ask that you would heal my heart in the traumatized places where I've been set as a king by uninitiated men, where I've been maimed and harmed and used and abused. I forgive them for they know not what they do. I release them and I bless them and I say to have your way with them, God. I ask that you would heal my heart in those places and help restore the false conclusions I've come to about my life and calling because of the pain and the hurt and the violation. It's beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. Justin, thank you so much for sitting with us. And this is I this is a great conversation. I agree. I, we can feel like we could go on forever. <laughs> um, and we can certainly do a follow-up one. I'd love to if you're open to it, especially sure. like once the book actually hits shelves and we can come back and, and yeah. do some follow-up stuff because I think it's really important what you're doing. I think it's incredibly courageous and it's needed people need to see someone succeeding beyond some adversities in their life some major adversities in their life and open the door to say like this is 
it's okay to accept these things and then also improve upon them and share it with the world around you. So I commend you for doing that. It's it's really great work. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so very much for no, coming I on today, man. Thank you. I'm grateful for you guys, like just allowing me this space and uh, just keeping this relationship. Like I feel everything happens for a reason. You know, we found each other and because I felt like windows and doors were being put up around me and you guys gave me an opportunity and I'm glad that we're still connected because I think uh, there's other things too possibly. So thank you guys again. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I will make sure to link all of the information regarding uh, Justin and his book and his gym and website, all that sort of stuff that we talked about, uh, some of the books that were referenced in the show notes. Please do us a huge favor, share this episode with anyone and everyone that you think may find some interest or benefit from it, and we will see you guys all next time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our interview with Justin Arnold. We really appreciate it. We would also really appreciate it if you go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and share this and any other episodes with anyone who you think may enjoy or benefit from the discussions that we're having. Thank you. Love you. We'll see you next time.